right, folks, welcome back to Resolution, the official podcast for the Restorative Justice Council. You're joining on us on episode number five um, of our beginning series. So welcome along. And during today's episode, what we're going to explore is how restorative conferences are actually organized. We're going to be hearing from Rob and Gemma again about their experiences and the process. And we'll also be hearing from Becky and Paul about their role in this too. So we have previously kind of discussed how participants are prepared to take part in a restorative conference and trying to make sure that this part of the process is safe and effective and that actually requires a lot of planning we heard um, about how the the meticulous aspect that you know restorative practitioners go through in order to put a conference or a process on so during this episode we're going to discuss that a wee bit further we're going to discuss some of the practicalities of that and I'm joined by Becky Childs, Paul Shaw and Gemma and Rob so welcome Along again, everybody, to another another episode. Thanks for for helping us out, Becky and uh, Paul. We're going to start with you. Tell us about some of the practicalities, specifically in organising an in person meeting, and all, how that related, I suppose, to Rob and Jamma's process specifically, because I was held in a prison, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So um, it was it was slightly different in that respect. Um, but that's that's where your relationship with the prison really comes to fruition, um, and we're really lucky that we have a great relationship with both prisons in Cleveland. So in this particular case, it was um, it was at Kurt Levington. Um, so we had some fantastic support from um, the offender management unit. Um, we obviously put everything through security um, when people come into the prison, so they know who's coming in. Um, and that Rob doesn't accidentally walk out with us. <laughs> we, we, right, okay. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> need to leave you where you were. <laughs> um, but in terms of the practicalities, it literally is about what is that space going to look like? Where are people going to sit? Um, are we going to be um, with a table, without a table? Are we going to have Gemma sat next to uh, one of the facilitators? Um Gemma didn't bring a supporter with her, um, but ordinarily that would be an option that Gemma could have brought somebody with her um, if she wanted to. On that occasion, she didn't. Um, just, to, just to kind of add there, Rob and Gemma actually met a few times um, after this initial meeting. But in terms of the preparation for the initial, uh, we also had... A, consideration of a breakout space um and again that's not rob's exit strategy from the prison that's a breakout space is where somebody can go if they need to to be able to have a few minutes or longer if needed to collect the thoughts to um to have some additional support if they need it um just a break in proceedings really yeah because I think in regards to because you're dealing with the emotion mm -hmm. and it's heightened in the sense that this was a direct it was a face-to-face -face meeting. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the potential for it to get emotional mm -hmm. is is high. So having somewhere for someone to take that time out is extremely is an important part of that, that preparation process. Paul, you were going to come in there, weren't you? Yeah, I was just going to say that, funnily enough, prisons can be as hard to get in as they can be to get out. So <laughs> uh, uh, part of that process uh, of, of, of um, someone coming into prison for an actual meeting. It's even the finite things of what you're allowed to take in with you. 
the potential that you might have to go through a search, mm. that the staff on the gate are aware of your arrival. And like Becky said, in conjunction with fantastic support from the offender manager unit in the prison. So all those details, we don't want Gemma to have to worry about. All They're all taken care of, even the route. And like uh, Gemma alluded earlier in another podcast that um, there was pre-preparation as well. Okay. And what's it like for you guys going into the room at that stage? We kind of had sort of talked a wee bit about your preparation, but you're walking into the room in order to facilitate this process with all the preparation in the world. What's it like when you sit down and you know you're moments away from all of this preparation work coming to ahead and the reality of we now need to facilitate this conversation mm -hmm. what's that like for you two it, it's i'd be lying if i said it, you know you, you don't feel nervous about that it's a natural apprehension and that's because you really just want Gemma in this case and, and rob to feel like they've got everything they needed from that process and it's not like an instantaneous thing where, you know, like you expect people to go skipping out of the room and instantly uplifted. Um, that might happen. Um, but, you know, it's it's just knowing that you've done the best you possibly can in making sure it feels as fluid and natural as possible. And that, you know, if, if something maybe unexpected does happen, because with the best will in the world, sometimes... It does. Um, knowing that, you know, you can rely on your co-facilitator, I think, um, can be massively helpful and reassuring in that. Okay. Paul, what about you, Ian? What, what, what was it like for you? I'll, I'll just reiterate everything that Becky's just said there, really. Um, but you're always confident in the fact that you've got that relationship and there's been that preparation because... When it comes to it, you've got to think one of the participants may struggle. Mm. But in the preparation, you've already cultured that relationship where they know that they that as a facilitator, you'll stop in to support them if that does happen. So there's no quiet space or awkwardness. And so the relationship between, okay, individually between Rob and Gemma, that hasn't been really instrumental apart from just the feedback sessions we all have confidence in each other. Yeah. And that's, I suppose that, again, that's really important, regardless of what the internal aspect mm -hmm. may be for us, that we're confident that we have, we've covered the basis. Yeah. And this is going to, th that helps yeah. with the, the ongoing facilitation of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the, the consideration is even taken to the, you know, to the finest point of who comes in the room first. Mm. You know, did Gemma want to be sat in the room or did Rob, um, would you have preferred Rob to be in the room first? Um, so those are all the kind of things that we did as part of the preparation and the pre-visit um, to the prison so that, you know, Gemma could decide what room she wanted, where she might be sat, um, who was going to come in first. And, and in this case, Gemma decided she wanted to be sat in the room first. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's what we, we did. So... That preparation also involved the prison offender manager and, you know, support from um, prison staff in there because mm -hmm. obviously 
we have keys to, to deal with that we don't have. Sure. Um, so, yeah. yeah it's Okay, so it sounds like you know all the bases covered for yeah. for this here, uh, and that obviously the fact that we're actually here talking about it today is, is obviously an indication of the success of, of, of that preparation and the facilitation of the process. Jim, I'm just going to bring you in here. What I want to try and do is to try and paint the picture of of that day. So the day that you're going to to meet with you're going on to meet with Rob. You've had all this preparation. You've talked this thing through. You know what's going to happen. You wake up. What's happening for you? Um, I think I was still a little bit like, I mean, obviously I was nervous because I hadn't seen him at all since the day it happened at work. It was, <clears throat> um, so it was still, although I knew what to expect to go with the environment because I'd had the visit before I got to choose which room. So it's not as if I was going in blind. It was, I was still nervous of the fact of, of how I'd react um, when I saw him initially. Um, and like Rob said before, it's like the man without the mask. Um, and it was, I think I was more worried about how I'd react or whether I'd either just sit there and freeze and burst into tears or whether I'd, go on the flip side and try diving across the table. It was, I just didn't know how I decided I was going to react, but I thought, well, no, what's the point? It's, I will get my point across, but I'll do it in a much more reserved way than what I really wanted to do was probably, in lack of a better phrase, sorry, Rob, but punch him in the face. But it was, I think it was just one of those things of, I'd been prepared for it. I'd been advised what was going to happen and how things were going to go and everything else. So I think it was, I was as prepared as I could be physically, although mentally I was still bricking it really. Mm -hmm. Cause it was, it was a prison. It's not an environment yeah. I'm used to. And it's sure. still, and it's still coming face to face with that person who I think at that time it had been two years, two and a half years since I'd actually seen him okay. happen. So, uh -huh. you know, it was, it's not as if, I was looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I kind of was in a strange way at the same right, time, okay. really, because it was I was be I was able to to get off my chest what I thought of him, what I felt, and how he made me feel that day, that night, and subsequently after the fact. So it was it was kind of getting my side of the story across as well. Mm. So you put your you put the coat on, you go through the front door, you close the door. What's What's going through your head there? Because I know it, for all the, you know, what you've just talked through, that mental internal battle, but they actually close the door behind yourself and take those steps towards, I'm actually going to do this now. I think it was just, I was kind of going through my head at what I wanted to say to him, really. And I mean, I, I said from, from day one, really, to Becky that, I said, I want to go in and I want to make him feel guilty. If if I, mean, I know he's going to feel guilty as it is anyway, but I want to make him feel even more guilty because it, it's the aftermath of that minute and a half versus further down the line. So it was, like I say, it was me getting my point across, but it was still, I think I was going through what I wanted to say to him, but not knowing what he was going to tell me of his side of the story, it's knowing... It's, I didn't know how I was, like I said, like, uh, what I was going to say, what I was going to reply to, what he was going to tell me. And it's, mm -hmm. it was going through my mind of what's he going to say? What's he going to possibly do? Well, you know, how's he going to 
get his side of the story across. Yeah. So it was still kind of, I think it was just like a mini tornado going through my head of what's going to say, what's, what am I going to say, what's he going to say, what's, what's going to be done, what's, where's it going to go after this? And yeah. So it was a bit like, although I was prepared for it, I was still at like a little bit, my head was still a little bit chaotic because you don't know exactly how it's going to go. Like Becky said, it's, it's something could change at the last minute. You know, I could have got to the, go- the door and, you know, and just turned around and, and went out. But it's just one of them things. I think it was like a battle in my own head at the same time of go through with it because you want to get your point across. But I also wanted to hear his side of the story as sure. well. Uh-huh. How did you actually get to the prison? Um, I think Becky picked me up and, and took me that way. Because, um, again, like I say, it's not an environment I'm used to and I didn't even know where it was. Turns out I've driven past it loads of times and not even realised it was a prison. But um, So, yeah, Becky told me that and we, we walked in the same route that we did when we did the like the planned visit beforehand to choose a room and things like that. And So I knew what to expect. Okay, so around. the so, preparation visit really did help then? Yeah, I think if, if that preparation visit wasn't done, I think I probably would have got to the front door and and turn around and said no i can't because this isn't it's not normal yeah but i think having that preparation visit and being able to choose because the rooms i remember that i was i was given as a choice one was kind of like quite a small office room Mm -hmm. i'm like you know it's it's too close quarters i don't want to be that close to him yeah um whereas the other room was quite a big like almost like a board meeting room right, okay. with a big long table in uh-huh. and it's like I want to be at one end of the table and him at the opposite right, end okay. and that's I want to be as far away as possible and then now you get us sat in a similar room and we're sat next to each other it's quite <laughs> strange yeah, <laughs> it's that's, quite it's strange you know like five or six years ago I said I don't want to be anywhere near him whereas now I can quite happily yeah. sit in a room with him and it, it doesn't but I think that also then is, is as we were intimating earlier on, it's it's a testament to the way that the process has been facilitated for you. And I suppose the impact that it's had on you is that you've went from being, I only will be at the other end of a table where we are today in this room. You're sitting side by side with each other. That's a testament in itself to the how this thing has actually panned out rob let's 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 come to you and, and have a chat with you about about that so you're obviously in your in your cell no i was no? in open prison you're in open prison okay and what's that like for you then on the the day the this meeting is going to take place oh, what is going on horrible. in your mind horrible Why? it's well it's like everything rolled into one so it's like it's like you have to go to the headmaster's office. It's like you're going to go home. You know your mum's going to give you it for you've done something at school or you everything and all that rolled into one. And knowing that you are in trouble, like because of something of your actions, knowing that you're going to have to go and stand there, apologise, and you know it's going to come at you. You're getting it from both angles, you know. So it was horrible. Nice. I ate that on. A, I ate that on a good day, just right. off a little, a little bollock, and but uh, yeah, it was horrible. So you're there, open present. Someone just comes and gets you, then do they? They just come in, <laughs> yeah, grab you in. It's and uh, go? no, it wasn't like that. Um, I knew it was happening. I knew what time it was happening. So I had time to 
Were you pacing about? I you? was sweating. <laughs> I was sweating. It was probably minus five and I was sweating. No, I just, I wanted to get, I wanted Gemma to know, even though she didn't see me on the night of the incident, I was still guilty. I, I said, we still got charged with the same offence. We, we, we were both, we both implicated in the crime. I wanted her to know that I am not the man that obviously was done that night. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just apologise to, to her face, look her in the face and to say, I am sorry. So you, you leave the 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 confines of the this the open prison and you're being walked to the room had you been you'd obviously been made aware of where it was going to be taking place yeah i knew i'd never been through that door though because so was you like, hadn't actually been in through the door okay no. right but you're walking down towards this door yeah you've got to be like yeah. you said you were sweating oh i was just sweating. walking about but you've got to be feeling the heart palpitation, Horrible. the sense of nerves or whatever, yeah. you know, what is it I'm actually going to walk into the room? Serious. Yeah. Serious. Yeah, just, it's like the going on uh, the scariest roller coaster as a kid or walking towards the dentist because you know you're going to go get a fill and it's like put everything in together and it's, that's what it was like. But I... I asked for this, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it was sure. something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Something that I wanted to progress. So it was it was nerves and it was like, right, let's do it. All okay. it all rolled into one. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna <laughs> leave it there that you're standing outside the door. I'm gonna come back to Jamma, <laughs> right? Jamma, you've been brought in. You're sitting at this end of the table or the end of the room or whatever it was going on there. The door opens. And you see Rob for the first time. What did you feel? I think everything from that night just came flooding back. It was, I don't know whether Becky noticed, but I started shaking in the chair and I just, I went straight into like defensive mode. Um, I kind of clammed up a little bit. I kind of, I sat and I folded my arms and I just, I, um, <clears throat> I think if I was being polite, I think I was, um, myself really a little bit it was but i didn't see his face clearly that night so it was he was still a bit of a stranger to me um but knowing that that was him it's still kind of because i was at the furthest away from the door at the mm -hmm. time so when the door opened i see him come round. it was just that initial it's like that few seconds of panic mm. okay. um and it was like the heart rate went up. I started shaking, and I just, I, I just kind of clammed up. I went tense, and it, mm. it was really. And then it was kind of like somebody's hit play on a reel at the back of my head, and that whole night just started playing over again. It was really strange. Okay, and how did you kind of bring yourself back down there? What, what, what happened? Because obviously, you, sometimes that can be overwhelming in regards to reliving a traumatic event. How did that, did it subside reasonably quickly for you or what What happened? Yeah, it kind of disappeared quite quickly. I think it's, I just kind of had it in the back of my mind. I think from previous employment in the care sector, it was just a case of, I think I kind of switched myself into, right, you've just found somebody that's fallen, just get over it. it you, you can't panic, you've got like a routine that you need to do with it. And I think I just kind of switched over to something like that and that kind of, chilled me out a little bit to the point mm. of I need to sit and hear his side of the story sure. before I can then in lack of a better phrase give him both barrels from my side yeah. it was 
Um, but I think, like I said, previous job training helped me kind of bring myself back from probably going into a full-on panic attack. Yeah. But, um, but that's got to be a strange place to be as well, because you, when we were talking just earlier on there, you know, this idea of preparing yourself for what am I going to say, how am I going to say it, and then walking into the room and that almost disappears. It's like kind of going, like this reliving of the experience has almost nullified all your own kind of thoughts that morning. It's got to be a weird kind of experience. Yeah, it was like a clearing an extra sketch, really. It was like somebody just shook everything that I was thinking of on the way there that I could have said, would have said, and it just kind of went. Um, but then, like I say, I think previous work training had kind of brought it all back sure. to... Like brought me back down to earth really uh -huh. without so much of the hard bump. It was just brought me back down to earth to say, yeah. right, this is something that he's wanted and you've wanted. You've got to just get in get there. On, yeah, get yeah. on with it really. Okay. So Rob, come on back to you then. Door opens. You walk into the room. Gemma's sitting there. What's going through your head? Those are the Obviously, there was a few was in the room, so I, at first, obviously, I didn't, I hadn't seen her. I didn't know, I didn't see her on the night. I, do, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I just, <clears throat> I, sat, I got told where to sit. I sat down, and then I could see, obviously, that Gemma was, and it was just, <sighs> I don't know. I, uh, what was it? <clears throat> it uh, well, I was scared, obviously, but it was more. Right, let's get on with it. Right, let because let, I think I've written about five, six, seven, a four pieces of paper of what I want to say, mm -hmm. and then I, I went in with nothing. I thought I'm not going to just reel off a mm -hmm. piece of paper. I said okay. that's not that's not. I wanted to sit down, speak to her, but I wanted it done right. Obviously, we had the we had Becky and everyone with us in in there, so there said right right we'll, we'll start here we'll do this have you got something to say and it worked out better than than me and um Gemma just started talking okay We're just like two normal people okay so how did that whole process then Gemma we'll start with you how did it allow you to to both say the things that you wanted to say and I suppose get the answers that you wanted what was it about how it was facilitated that allowed that to happen I think it's just because it was, we were both allowed to give our side of the story to each other. Because like there always is, there's, there's two sides to every story and there's, most victims never ever get to give their side to mm. the person who's committed that crime against them. And I was lucky enough to have that chance. Just as like Rob was lucky enough to have the chance to apologise and let his side, give me his side of the story, uh, why he did it, why he might have been talked into doing it or whatever reason um and like i say, i think the fact that we could both calmly in a controlled environment get our points across and kind of i suppose bring each other both like back down to earth with a bump at why mm. you need to change your ways you need to do this you need to you know it's not just you and me that this involves it's you and yeah. your kids and your family it's me and my kids and my family and everybody else, it's the whole big ripple effect and it's getting the points across and voicing each other's opinion over it, really. Yeah. Uh, who, who spoke first? It was Rob. Rob spoke first. Yeah. What was that like for you then, listening 
to Rob saying what how he felt about things. You've obviously wanted to hear this. What was it like when he started to speak? Um, for starters, I think his first couple of sentences, it was exactly what I expected to hear, really. Um, he'd had a few too many to drink. He'd, he had drugs in his system. And it was my brain just kind of said, well, typical. It's, it's what I expected, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody in the right mind, sober and grounded, is going to go into a petrol station and without under, being under the influence of something. Um, so, and it was the typical answer, and it's especially what my husband would have expected as well. He would have, typical. But I thought, no, we'll, we'll hear him out. We'll give him, let him get his point across. Um, and I think what kind of helped me <coughs> let my guard down a little bit with him was the fact that he said that the other lad um, had tried talking him into it and he'd initially said no. So there was something there that knew what he was being asked of was wrong. Mm. But then he said eventually, three or four days later, he said he kind of wore me down and I just said yes to shut him up. So I've kind of get well... You weren't the ringleader in it. You, you definitely weren't anyway. I could tell that on the night it happened. You weren't the ringleader in it, but you were talked into it. You were coerced into it. So it's not you aren't the one that's... You are at fault, but not 110%. And did that change things then for you throughout the rest of the conversation? Then? Did, did things start to... I suppose for me, did things start to melt away for you? Was there a, a, maybe a sense of maybe... of God, I understand a wee bit more where he, where he's coming from now. Um, yes and no. It was I didn't let my guard down completely. It was still, um, but I heard him out. I, I had a little bit of sympathy for him because it was like I say he was talked into it. He knew initially it was wrong because he said no, and then eventually he's just been he's been pestered that much that he's just said yes to shut him up and get him off his case. Um, but the fact is, I think even. Before, during and after, he's known from start to finish that it was wrong. And regardless of having things in his system, it's he's said, I knew it was wrong, but I still went ahead and did it. And he's admitted that. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that I could still, like I say, get my point across to him as well, that, that yeah. you, you know as an adult that what you did was wrong and you, you now you're doing your time yeah. for that. But what, what example is that setting for your kids at the yeah. same time it's sure. you know so it's and the fact that i mean through sitting and chatting in that room it's we ended up finding out that we are quite a lot similar right, we are okay. quite a lot alike um and i think that kind of eased it off a little bit as well it's sure. the fact that we do have quite a lot in common we've just picked two completely different paths in life sure how important was it for you to hear rob take responsibility I think the one reason that I said I'd I'd meet him face to face or I wanted the face to face meeting was because you can't take somebody's apology from a piece of paper. Mm. You anything that's written down in front of you, you it can be taken out of context. Yeah. Um him apologizing to me face to face, I can see through his body language, through his face, through his tone of voice yeah. at whether he meant that or not. And that was one reason why I opted for the face to face. Regardless of my other two colleagues thinking I would definitely lost a screw there. <laughs> they, I mean, they thought I was nuts for doing it. But sure. you can't take somebody's apology 
from a piece of paper. Yeah. It's you can't read the body language, you can't mm. read the tone of voice, and like I say, that's why I did it face to face, so I could see if it was genuine or not. Sure. So, Rob, you get finished. You get finished speaking. Jamma's Jamma's heard you out. You now have to to listen to her. What was that like for you? What was it like hearing Jamma's ex, um, experience? Uh, it was what I w half was expecting, but there was other things involved. Gemma had family issues. Um, obviously, I don't want to go into them, but she had problems, more problems from that night due to us. We'd caused more problems in her life. It was horrible. It was horrible because now this isn't in, like she says, it's not in a text. It's, it's not in a text. It's not in... A piece of paper she's just writing it down she's telling me well like we are now face to face uh i caused problems for her for her family and it that was horrible that was that like seeing yeah, something yeah. inside of you did well it? i was ready i was ready to apologize for that night mm -hmm. then she's telling us there's there's more going on that and that's like it's like a double blow you weren't expecting that one you, like and i think things like that were what but Gemma realised that I was being sincere because they, they, they were horrible there. It's horrible saying sorry for something anyway, but major, a major problem. Then a double blow even more. It was like, it was it was serious. Like, it was hard, but the best thing I've ever done, best ever thing. It's, it, it, and it's, it's supposed for me, it's almost can be, no matter how many times I hear that, it's always, it's still, still strange to hear someone say that, Sometimes the hardest thing that I've had to do in my life has been the best thing that I've actually done 100%. for yourself. And and I suppose one of the things that I think about the restorative process is that it reiterates the points that the important things or the valuable things in our lives don't come easy. Yeah. The things that really matter to us don't come easy. They require a bit of pain. They require a bit of soul searching. It requires to, to take stock of things. And, and it sounds like you, you did. What difference has taken part in this process, Rob, made to your life? What's it done for you? The thing with me, the thing with me was, I needed to do this. If I didn't do this, I could have went to just another statistic. Sat sat in jail, gets out, goes on a drink, has a fight, does whatever, da da da. And that's what my life would have just ended up being, and being able to do this be sincere and speak to my victim and prove that, like she said, leopards, leopards can change their spots. And for me to stay out and prove to myself, to my family, and then to Gemma and all people like, because it doesn't just stay with family. Mm. It goes from my family to the outside family, friends, family. It just keeps going further and further away. So for me, just to be in a community, going to work, keeping my head down, a boring life is the best life I'd ever asked for. I, I, on Friday nights, now I'm in bed for nine o'clock. <laughs> like my my nights hadn't started by uh, nine o'clock on a Friday. Do you know I'm right. and restorative justice has helped me massively. It's made me second guess things. I like, am I right? should I do that? You know, and then you think, mm, I, well, you know, no, I think I'll give that one a miss. So okay. sorry, justice for me has changed my way of thinking, what has changed my life, made it for the better. Sam, what about you? What have you got out of this? 
I think it's being able to, because I said to Becky, it's, I want to be the irritating voice in the back of his head that, that, puts him, <laughs> that puts him off doing something stupid again. It's, if you ever think of, of doing a repeat of what happened then, I want to be that little voice in the back of your head that puts you off because yeah. of what happened to me. It's like you said there, it's not just the families, it's the one big ripple effect of... Yeah. It was me and you, the other lad, and the other ones involved that night, and me and my colleagues, and then you've got all of us have got families, yeah. and then kids and parents, and it is one big ripple effect. Yeah. Um, and I think from from our conversations is you've now realised that it's not just the people that were in the store at that time that it's affected. It's one big, huge load of people. Um, but with this, it's also it's given me the knowledge of have I do I know of anybody else that's had something similar happen to them I can refer them on to this system because it's worked for me um and I think Rob's even shocked that he's got something out of it as well because he's just done it to apologize he's not expected to get anything out of it and I think you've got yeah. you've had a shock out of that as well of at how at what it's done for you as well yeah. not, it's not just all about the victim side of it it's about the other side of it as well you can both learn from it okay. you can both get something out of it well i have to say thank you again for sharing uh, your experiences of that i mean and hopefully we've been able to paint a bit of a picture for people listening in in regards to what that experience of the actual meeting what was was actually like and uh, what we're going to do is in the next episode then is that we'll talk with you a wee bit further about what happens after this process um has been completed i suppose because it's all far and well having the preparation then having the meeting but it doesn't end there there's more to it than, than just having that a conversation that initial meeting and we'll talk about that more in the next episode so make sure you join us on the next episode of resolution um until the next one look after yourselves and take it easy mm -hmm.